Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning that Rabbi Schatz is anxious about, but I'm very excited about. So, right, Rabbi Schatz? Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> okay, very good. Um, in the name of uh, collaboration and playing around with this format a little bit, uh, rather than just having one or the other of us uh, give a straightforward drash, we're going to uh, conversate a little bit back and forth in an open-ended and non-clearly uh, uh, defined way, which does not give me any anxiety whatsoever. Right, Rabbi Schatz? You should just start. Okay, very good. Okay. Uh, some of you might have heard me share this experience before, but it, it was uh, unusual and very resonant with me. So, so it, it lingers for me and... Uh, and if you've heard me share about it before, um, forgive the repetition. Um, there was this experience I had shortly after Eliav was born. My, ah, he's turning six in November. That sounds very old. Uh, my five and a half year old, we'll stick with five and a half. My five and a half year old was born. Um, it was shortly after I had gone back to work and I was driving into work one day. Um, and I had this odd, like sort of, um, flash as I was driving that all of a sudden the the people who were driving their cars were were no longer the adults that they were in that moment driving their cars they were instead each one of them like this this little newborn baby in need of love and and care um, and and sustenance and warmth, right? Like spending time with with my son, who was then a very very small baby, sort of like brought me in touch with the inherent innocence and newness and sweetness and holiness that each new life brings into the world. And and it sort of struck me that yes, we are adults. We go about our lives. We make mistakes. We slip. We stumble. We fall. And um, at our core. Each one of us is still the unique and pure and holy creation that we were when we came into the world. And wherever our paths have taken us along the way, we still each are today. Lahavdil, right, on the complete other end of the spectrum, as we were going through this parsha, which as Rabbi Schatz and I were bantering about earlier, not not all of the uh, verses in this week's parsha are the the most easily drawable, and we'll leave it at that. But there's these verses in chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, talking about when things have gone horribly wrong, when things have have really fallen apart and gone about as badly as they can for a person, if someone commits an offense for which they are put to death, right? We, we know as we go through the corpus of rabbinic literature that the death penalty is something that gets very much legislated out of normative Jewish thought and practice. But in the Torah, it's something that is very much in um, sort of the lingua franca. It's very much something that is uh, a concept that, that's worked with. If someone is put to death and he's placed on a stake, he's, he's literally hanging, 
you shouldn't leave his body out overnight. You need to bury him that same day. Ki klalat Elohim talui, for that impaled body is an affront to God. Even though this person has done something in the category of the worst things that they can possibly do, you still shouldn't leave their body out overnight. There is still something about that body, about that person, about the image of that person, whatever it might be. And Rabbi Schatz and I are going to go back and forth on that a little bit. You shouldn't leave that body out overnight. What comes to mind here for me is that there's this, there's this Midra, uh, Mishnah rather in Sanhedrin that I'm sure many of you have, are familiar with, have come across, that God, one of the things that is amazing about God is that when humans make coins and they are stamped, all the coins come out the same. But when God creates each person in the image of God as we each are, every person comes out differently, right? Every single person is different. We're all created in the image of God, yet we're all different. But then inverting that, we each still contain, and this is going back to the experience I had, we each still contain within us that holy spark, that divine image, that element of God, no matter how much things have gone awry, no matter how bad things have gotten, we each still contain, contain that holy spark within us. But my question, Rabbi Schatz, is how do we remember that before things go so bad, right? How do I, as I'm going about my day, not having recently had a baby, we don't have, we don't have a two-year-old, not recently having had any babies, right? And before things go so far right, how do I remember the essential holiness of each person I'm interacting with when I might be getting frustrated, distracted, a little bit cranky, right? How do I not lose sight of the essential holiness of each person as I go about my day? I know Rabbi Schatz has the answers. <laughs> so I want to take a few steps back to then answer this question. When we're learning about the writing of the Torah, if you are someone who can just go with me for one second and talk about the documentary hypothesis, there are different names for God used in the different situations that we find God in. So, for example, in Genesis, <clears throat> in Breshit, the beginning of Breshit, and for, I would say, the majority, though I haven't done the actual math, we see the name Elohim used for God more so than, for example, Adonai. So that God, the Elo, the Eloist is what it's called in the documentary hypothesis. The Elohim God is seen as the creation God, the, um, the relational God, the God that is with us when the world is created and the God that is with us when Joseph is dealing with his brothers, the God that is with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, the God that is part of our daily life in a relational and maybe in an anthropom anthropomorphized way, right? That, that is the God that is referred to as Elohim. Adonai is the God that is very often referred to in situations of law or situations of practice or situations of discipline. So that Adonai is more the, what you might call powerful or king-like God. And those texts are called the Yahweh, Yahwist texts because of Adonai. If you were to say that out in, in English, you would maybe get the 
um, get the sounds Yahweh. So I want us for a second, think about the Shema, a line that you all know, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu. Both of those names of God are in there. And Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Schulweis says a beautiful thing, Rabbi Harold Schulweis, some of you may have known he was the, one of the rabbis at VBS, a really beautiful soul and, uh, and someone who just impacted Judaism in an incredible way. What Rabbi Shulweis says about this idea of Adonai and Elohim is that, and I'm going to read it so we can hear his words, the world was created incomplete, full of given potentialities that require human actualization. Divinity is both real and ideal. And when we recite the Shema, we pray that Elohim and Adonai shall become one. The aim of Echad is to unify the world of is and the world of ought, a unification that sanctifies the name of God. In this verse that Rabbi Shapiro just read, the phrase Kilelat Elohim Talui is referring back to that creation, that relational God. In a moment of law, which is not what we would expect. We would expect Adonai. And we do see Adonai later on in the phrase. But Sforno picks up on this. Sforno picks up on the use of Elohim in this phrase. And he says, Every creature is known as Elohim. Even in this case, a disembodied creature. This includes the soul of human beings being known as Selem Elohim in the image of God. Seeing that the disgrace done to a person after he has died is also an insult to this disembodied essence of the person, the Torah describes it as kilalat Elohim, equivalent to cursing the dead person's eternal essence. Kilalat Elohim, leaving the dead corpse hanging without burial, is an insult to that very eternal essence of a human being called Elohim. So there's something that Sforno is picking up on here that this person who is being left out for us to take care of eventually, but unfortunately not in the moment, that we are actually seeing that as a stab against Elohim, against the creator, against this relational God And one step further, he goes, therefore, against all creation of God. Because if that person is Betselem Elohim, if that person is created in the image of this creation, this relational God, then you are cursing those who are made in the image of God by putting him on a stake and not recognizing that that person who you have left there, is in fact God, is in fact an embodiment of God. So in a moment, um, Rabbi Shapiro is going to talk to us a little bit about this idea of, of where we stand in the world, right? What, who, who we are, what we're supposed to see ourselves as to move forward as 
in the image of God, B'Tselem Elohim. But I want you to think about this idea that the Torah specifically used Elohim in this line rather than Adonai to bring us back to the soulfulness of this moment rather than just the lawfulness of this moment. It's supposed to speak to our heart, not necessarily to our justice. Shapiro. Thank you. Yes, 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 shots. I, I love that. I love, I love playing with the, um, seeing what the names of God represent. It's also um, striking that you bring in Rabbi Schulweis because um, in, in thinking about what you just shared about Sforno and the image of God, I, I know Sforno read the Mishnah. I'm guessing Sforno knew, knew Mishnah quite, quite a ways better than, than I did. It's interesting the way you're offering him up because it, it also, from what I was looking at, doesn't seem necessarily to be absolute, right? The Mishnah talks about how if you leave the body, you, you shouldn't leave the body hanging overnight. But if you leave it hanging overnight for the sake of getting a coffin, bringing a shroud, right? Something that is necessary for the burial preparations, you actually can leave it hanging over the night so that um, the body can be treated basically appropriately and respectfully. So it's interesting to me as well that it's actually, it's not an absolutist statement, at least according to the Mishnah, right? That, that there are conditions uh, upon conditions, there are principles underneath the principle, right? The, the principle of kavod hamet, the principle of being respectful to, um, to the dead, manifests itself in different ways. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think as well about this idea um, that ties in very much with Rabbi Shulweis's theology, right? Rabbi Shulweis talked about predicate theology. Rabbi Shulweis talked less about what God, what God is, and more about godly actions, right? God as an adverb. So when you speak, you should speak in a godly way. When you spend money, you should spend money in a godly way. When you parent, you should parent in a godly way. When you study Torah, you should study Torah in a godly way, right? All the ways in which we live, we can bring um, that, that godly nature into that. Mm-hmm. And Caring for the dead is one of the ways in which our tradition pinpoints most clearly as something that we, that we do that can very much be godly, right? The Talmud says, just as God consoles mourners, so too should you console mourners. Just as God buries the dead, so too should you bury the dead, right? So this is a very clear action that we take that we can follow in God's ways. And so in, in, thinking about how these different concepts bounce off each other and interact, I'm thinking about how um, those, those liminal elements of life, right? Those, those times in life when we are very much on the border between one state and another, and, and that, that moment of death is, of course, the, the clearest one of those, in certain, right, in, in a whole host of different ways. Those liminal moments are the moments in which we are most called to act in godly ways. It is most, in some ways, clear that that's the moment to take that on and can also be most, most painful and difficult. Um, and so I'm thinking about the, 
the challenge of the body that's hanging there, right? The, cha- the ethical challenge, the, the moral challenge, the challenge of action, what's to be done, and then the challenge to us in terms of reflecting that this might be a person who did some reprehensible things. And yet, what is the call to action? What is the call for taking a godly action in that moment in terms of determining what that might be for, for each of us? Rabbi Schatz, what do you think? <laughs> I didn't know if you were thinking or if you're passing it over. Well, I'm thinking, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm struck at how much, when we were first talking about this verse, how much we were kind of stuck on this idea of the person on the stake and how the more we are talking about this right now, the more that I think about the fact that maybe the point of having this law in the Torah is actually not for us to focus on on a person who has been put to death and what happens to them, but more so how we treat others in such a way that if they are in our midst, that we see them still as godly people, no matter what their actions have been, right? There are people in this world who do not necessarily um, deserve our forgiveness, but still deserve to, to be seen as made in the image of God, no matter what their, what their consequence is for whatever that reprehensible behavior is. And um, in Sanhedrin, which I know we've now referred to a few times, so in the, in the Gemara, they actually use a very similar phrase, which is kal alai alma, which is a, one of the ways that the rabbis talk about things that are difficult is they say them in the opposite so that you know, which is, by the way, when you're learning Talmud, very hard to pick up on if you don't know that. Because sometimes it says something that you think is going to be positive, and then you realize, oh, no, no, they're saying it positively because it's hard for us to comprehend because it's so terrible. And so that's what's happening here. Kal alai amma means the world is easy, is light, is full of, of um, ease for me. But really what it's saying is that the world is really heavy on me right now. And it's talking about a depressive state. And so... The God in this way, Rabbeinu Bachia says that God is actually doing the same thing here. In using the words ki kilelat Elohim, God doesn't want to incriminate God's self. So the Torah phrases this idea as if it was bemoaning its own fate. Right? But in reality, we're talking about this pain, this destruction of another human being that is made in God's image. And as Rabbi Shapiro mentioned, that is that comes up again in the Talmud when we discuss how God feels a person's pain when they are in pain. We are supposed to take care of the dead because God, if God were on the earth, would be doing that as well. And that's part of our role as being made B'Tselem Elohim is to be God's hands, to be God's mouth, to be God's feet in the world. So right now we are in the middle of working on this Hevra Kedisha. And it is something that every time we go through a training, it reminds me how we are really doing God's work. We are making sure that people, even in their final moments, in the moments where they are no longer aware the community is around them, community is around them. Because we are doing that which God would want to be doing if God were on this earth. 
So one final thing, and then I'll let Rabbi Shapiro um, finish us out with some text to then wrap up. This idea of he kilelat Elohim is that, yes, a person did something terrible, but it's also a curse for God to see a person hanging. God feels badly that God's people have done something so terrible that that is now their fate. And we, the people who are not hanging, need to figure out how we treat the person in their, in their state. How do we make sure that that person is dealt with honorably as a person of God? Again, even if they did something terrible, for us to still regard them as having this peace of God in them. And not just the Adonai peace of God, but as the Shema does, bring together, and as Rabbi Shulweis mentions, we need both of those pieces. We need to actually be able to see the relational God in this person to be able to rectify in our justice part of our mind how we deal with a person for whom we might not have as much rachamim, as compassion, as much compassion, but for whom we still need to see them made in the image of God. And this also isn't just about those who are looking out in the world. This is also about how we see ourselves. And I'm, I'm saying that based on the 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 core rabbinic text that you see over and over again when you look at these verses, Rashi riffs on it, some of the other Mepharshim do as well. It's in the Talmud. In, in playing with this idea um, laid out in the verse, Rabbi say this can be compared to two brothers, twins, depending on which version you read. So we'll say, we'll say twins, right? Two twins. One of them became a king. One of them became an armed robber and was hung. And the challenge that this verse then has is that you shouldn't leave that body up because chas v'shalom, God forbid that someone would be walking down the street, see the body hanging there, and think that the king has been hung, right, rather than his twin, the armed robber. In my head, there's this, there's this moment... I, I, I sort of like fabricate narratives that come up in Midrashim sometimes. So I'm thinking about, you know, the king himself is walking down the street and is confronted, right, with his brother who he sees hanging there. That there's these two I, nearly identical, if not completely identical men, one of whom is in the most elevated position possible and one of whom's life has found this tragic and violent end. But they're basically the same person. They look the same, come from the same place, raised the same, et cetera, et cetera. Yet one of them has found his way to riches and glory, the other one of whom has found tragedy and violence. And our tradition says, A, bear in mind how similar those two really are, right? That they come from the same place, that they look the same. And each of them, even and especially the one in this case who has uh, been put to death, is still worthy of the chesed shel emet, the loving kindness that we afford in our tradition to all those uh, who have left this earth. 
it also calls to mind for me as we are moving through Elul and Rosh Hashanah draws, draws closer, the idea when it comes uh, to making tshuva that we should see the entire world as if it is hanging by the balance exactly even for its uh, merits and for its uh, flaws. And each and every single one of our actions could tilt the balance of the earth one way or the other, calling to us the importance of each and every single action we take as we think about the chuva that we need to make for this past year and the way in which we want to be living our lives in the year to come. And this image here too resonates for me in that, that we should not kid ourselves, right? We are not necessarily destined to become king. We are certainly not sentenced to becoming the armed robber. But those two brothers came from the same place. Therefore, each action we take pushes us down one path or another. And just as I was talking about at the beginning of the Torah service, each one of us has fulfilled some mitzvah. Each one of us has transgressed at least one negative commandment, maybe even more than one, right? We each have the capacity to fulfill the mitzvot. We each have the uh, ability to transgress the mitzvot. Each one of us can become royalty. Each one of us can go astray. And so looping that rabbinic uh, interpretation back into the verse, we should make sure to take the body down as soon as we can so that we do not uh, have that klilat Elohim uh, hanging for too long. And we should also be mindful um, of the holiness within each of us, regardless of the direction we may have gone so that we can see the inherent um, holiness potential for royalty, potential for um, godly action in Rabbi Scholweis's words, uh, whatever the situation might be, to remember that we are blessed in this day um, to have the opportunity to do mitzvot in the world, to take holy actions, to care for those in need, um, and to bring glory um, to that which God holds up to us and to try to walk in God's ways towards community and holiness always. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.